Hey everybody, I hope you're all doing super great. I'm trying a little bit of a new format here on the podcast. So I'm gonna start off with a quick introduction to say, hey everybody, welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast. Uh, this is gonna be live on LinkedIn and live on YouTube. And then uh, this is pre-recorded though. So hopefully I'm able to monitor some more comments and things like that. And then I'll put it out live onto the podcast format. So this conversation today is with Eddie Hagen and Eddie and I talk about uh, color theory when it comes to printed packaging. Uh, why maybe, you know, some of these press checks and things like that are getting a little too out of control and why we need to rein it in and put some better standards on our, uh, on, on our, on our color that we're using. So, uh, without further ado, actually, no, there is further ado. So I've got a few sponsors and I'm going to play uh, a couple of videos. There's about a minute and a half here. Would really love for you to, uh, to reach out to them. You can reach out to me on any of them if you want some, connections. Uh, so we got Specrite, we've got Myers, we've got Label. Uh, we're going to be adding another one uh, once I get the video done called SmartSolve. And so those are going to be here either at the beginning or uh, I may start adding them into the middle of it as well. So that's what I got going on. Let's uh, hear a few advertisements and get to the interview with Eddie Hagen. Specrite allows us to centralize our spec data in an easy to use and searchable platform puts everyone on the same page with up-to-date information and helps us to adapt quickly to business needs and sustainability reporting. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Myers, which is where I work my day job and coincidentally is the most sustainable printing company in the country. Myers is a third generation family business on a mission to create a sustainable future for people, products, and our planet. To learn more, click the link down below in the show notes. Did you know that 89% of consumers say they've stopped buying from a brand after just one bad buying experience? Well, that's where Label comes in. Label Protect is a brand-first, buyer-focused protection solution that's uniquely designed to make shipping issues a thing of the past. Instead of leaving your buying experience to chance, you can give your customers peace of mind at checkout, knowing their orders are 100% covered from loss, theft, damage, and more. And with a 98% claim approval rate, 24-hour resolution time, and best-in-class revenue share, Label reduces customer support overhead, protects your bottom line, increases profits, and most importantly, Label keeps your customers coming back for more. So whether you ship 100 orders a month or 100,000, it's time to make the final mile part of your competitive advantage with Label. L-A-B-L-P-X dot com or just click the link down in the show notes. Hey, good morning or good afternoon or good evening or whatever time it is that you are listening to this. Uh, this is another fantastically fun, provocative episode, dare I say, Eddie, of the People of Packaging podcast. Um, I'm joined by Eddie Hagen, who uh, says he does not call himself this, but he has been called a printing industry provocator and uh, has a lot of really incredible, insightful, and honest takes on printing and color management. Um, you know, I was I was having dinner with some friends in Salt Lake City, a uh, gentleman from Inkish TV, and he said, oh my gosh, have you not had Eddie Hagen on your podcast? And I thought, well, 
I better I better make this happen. So uh, Eddie's joining me from Antwerp, Belgium, and I am super excited to dig into honestly one of my favorite topics in printing in the packaging industry, the topic of color management. So Eddie, welcome to the People of Packaging podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and Eddie is joining us. Uh, uh, this is on a Friday evening, so he is taking out valuable time from his from his weekend to have this conversation with us. So I'm really appreciative of that. Well, Eddie, why don't you introduce yourself to to listeners who don't know uh, who you are and how you came upon this, uh, as you said, this hobby of color management? Yes, uh, it's. In years, it's a long story, uh, but I'll make it very short. Okay. Um, I started in the printing industry in uh, 1988 with the uh, Federation for the Printing Industry in uh, Belgium. Um, and uh, I was responsible for vis visiting uh, uh, printing companies, trying to make a member and uh, um, uh, see what they were involved in, what their, their concerns were, were and stuff like that. And um, what was immediately apparent for me was that uh, all those people in the printing industry they were passionate about their job and this is uh, this is still the case uh, um, because i've also worked in other industries my current job the one that pays the bills is outside of the printing industry um, but if i compare um, with uh, with people in printing uh, it's it's really different so years um uh, got also involved with everything that uh, has to do with uh, environmental issues because that became a hot topic at that moment and when you talk about environmental issues you're also talking about technical issues mm -hmm. then um the short um uh, two jobs in between and then i started at the uh, innovation center for the printing industry uh, in flanders um, where i worked for a very long time uh first as a manager for training then i also became a trend watcher and eventually I also became uh, the uh, general manager, <clears throat> I'm sorry, of the organization. I've visited lots of conferences uh, in the US, for instance, uh, also in Europe. Um, I've been many times to RIT. Um, so all the old guys, I know them very well. Um, okay. I just sent an email to, uh, to Frank Romano, by the way, this morning. Um, uh, so, uh, and yeah, certainly if you look at, at uh, innovation, the past, two decades have been phenomenal for the past three decades. Uh, if you uh, look at the printing when I entered the industry in 80s, uh, everything was on film. You had a separate typesetting uh, page. Uh, page layout was still uh, 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 pasting films on, on a larger sheet and stuff like that. Uh, there were scanners, but they were limited. Uh, I've said, even seen retro cameras uh, in, in printing companies. If you see what you can do now, uh, the evolution, that's fantastic. And um, what has changed with technology, it's, it's just amazing. Also, when you look at digital printing, what right. we can do these days, um, uh, also print quality. Uh, print buyers are always nagging about print quality. And when they talk print quality, they talk color, um, but if you have older books in your in your house, take an older book from one or two decades ago, and probably books, sort of coffee table books, those were the best uh, quality you could could get. Now take one and look at the print quality of ten or twenty years ago. 
this would be impossible at this moment. This would be rejected. Right. So we always, our print buyers always want better and better, and they're always nagging about it and um, negotiating or threatening. Uh, I won't, I won't uh, uh, pay the bill because this is not good enough. But we have yes. come a very long way. No, I've, yeah, I've just, sorry, sorry to, uh, I was, I was agreeing with you, right? Like the, yeah. this idea that color and quality have, are, are deeply, you know, inner, inner grain. I mean, I've, I've worked for companies that print on, you know, label substrate, paperboard substrate, film substrates, corrugated substrates, um, you know, and, and on down the list. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a huge topic still of, you know, of, of brand loyalty, of brand integrity. Um, and so it's something that, that I, I live and breathe every day. And it sounds like this has been something for you. I mean, you, you said 1988. So you're, uh, you, you've, you've certainly seen quite the evolution, um, not only yeah. in printing technology, but also probably in, in print management processes. So how people are judging whether or not this is good or this is bad quality. Oh, yes. And it's, this is, uh, um, this has been, for a part, not a good evolution, um, because in the old days, um, so at the end of the 90s, maybe even still early 2000s, most of the print buyers were technical people. They understood printing. And uh, at a certain moment, uh, the, uh, the sales director of a large printing, packaging printing company in Belgium, he said to me, I'm seeing an evolution that is really bad. All the uh, print buyers I see now, or the account managers that come in for a uh, press check, they have no idea about printing. They do not know what it is, and their job is to uh, to guard the uh, brand uh, brand image. Uh, but they don't know what they're talking about. So the only thing that they can do is say, well, "I don't like this." Why? I don't know. They just say, "I don't like it," and it has to be better. Um, and, and then they start negotiating on the price because well, it was not good the first time, so you have to give a discount. Yeah, and This for sure. evolution has gone on and on. And um, to be honest, some printing companies, and I'm already talking about uh, 10, 15 years ago, they didn't let any print buyers anymore in the, in the press room because they had issues with that every time. And so they had a sample that they knew it was bad. It was the first sample that they would show their customer. And the customer, oh, you really did it, messed it up this time again. Oh, this is not the right color. And I gave a second sample that was closer to what the real color should be. Ah, you see, now that I intervened, now you're getting closer. But it's not, not completely correct. And then the third one was the correct one. And I know from printing companies that they all had already finished the job. But I did it, they did it in few stages, and then eventually they signed it off. So this, this is nuts. It's, That's it's, crazy. Much, it's much more about psychology. I'm the print buyer. I'm paying you, dear printer, and I have the authority to make, make you do what I want. It has nothing to do with is the color right, except when you start measuring. And that's why I uh, really hate physical uh, press checks. Everything should be measured. And then mm. you can start discussing on um, what the deviation can be. Is it two and a half delta E? Is it four delta E? Um, that's another discussion. Uh, maybe we can address that in a few minutes. I would, I would love to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. This is, this is 
so the really favorite part of my topic. <laughs> so I I spend a lot of time talking about this, and I was actually at an event um, discussing the the nature of objectivity, um, mm -hmm. and you know I'm I'm constantly trying to drive people to a starting point of what do we know that is objectively true. So if somebody says the color looks wrong, it's like that is so, that is a subjective. It's a subjective thing. It's an observation, but it's, it's a subjective observation, right? Like I want to observe what is objectively true. And so when it comes to, you know, materials, let's say, if you order a hundred pound cover stock, you can measure it. You can say, is this a hundred pounds? Or I'm not sure what the GSM would be. I don't know what the equivalent is over in the EU, but um, you know, here it's like, is this a 24 point solid bleach, white over white board stock? Yes. Is the size, you know, three by four and a half by five and a half? Yes. Is it a tuck top auto bottom box? Yes. Okay, now let's get to the color. And it seems like at that point is where the majority of subjectivity comes in. I just need the orange to be more cheerful. It's like, mm. I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know how to make it. Can, can it be more? I just need it to pop off the off the thing a little bit more. It's like, well, mm. I don't. So, so this topic of, of, leveraging data when it comes to color management, I think is something that we still haven't, I know that there have been, you know, certain people here in the US, uh, certain organizations who have really tried to deliver on the promise, but yeah. to me, it's still not quite there. I would love to get your take, you know, coming from yeah. this long history in the printing industry, and also from over in, in Europe and Belgium specifically, yeah. how has it been over there? And where have you kind of, where are you at today in terms of how, how could we solve this? Well, to solve this, we first have to uh, be aware of uh, the fact that one of the most important claims is not what people think it is. Um, that claim is um, color increases brand recognition by 80%. You probably have heard that. Mm -hmm. um, the exact quote is up to 80%. Uh, but this is not about color the way that we talk about it now. This, is, this comes from uh, studies in newspaper printing and the effect of having black and white ads or color ads. And if you apply that, then you will have 80% more uh, brand recognition than, um, than just black and white. But this is being abused by many, many people already for decades to uh, get uh, or to convince print uh, brand owners that their brand color has to be be within a very tight tolerance, but there is no proof that this is necessary. I've mm. been claiming this for uh, for many years. I've asked if people challenge me, give me the proof that this has to be within a certain delta E, so the distance between two colors, and nobody has given me any proof. I recently got from somebody from X-Rite a paper. This shows that uh, that color is important, but this was uh, this was only on four colors. So this was that a certain type of product had to be uh, either green or blue or red. Yes, then color matters. But whether it's this blue or this blue, that's a tiny bit different. There is no, there is no uh, proof for that. And on my uh, blog, which is called uh, insightsforprint.ceo, um, I once did the test. <clears throat> it has been there already a long time. Um, I took. Uh, four, uh, sorry, six deviations of red, all brand colors. And as you know, Coca-Cola once said, um, there's no Pantone number for uh, Coca-Cola, 
but if you see it, you will recognize it. So what was the test? Six variations of the Coca-Cola logo, but six different reds. Which one is the right one? Guess what? The most popular one was not the right one. The most hmm. popular one had a delta E of uh, 4.3. Interesting. Yeah. So the the right one was on tie the second uh, most uh, most picked color, and this was um, now looking at part of my screen now. It's about uh, uh, just just below twenty uh, percent. Hmm. So this this was this was just very mixed results, because the, the other second most uh, uh, most picked color was uh, nine delta E different from the right color. Said nine, nine. Oh my gosh, that's so, crazy. All those print buyers nagging about a three delta E difference. I'm sorry, they're wasting time, money, resources on something that will not make a difference. I've also uh, shown pictures of uh, two packages, uh, Kellogg's cornflakes, and one was flipped a little bit to the back. So the lighting was different and the light is one part of color. So yep. it looked very different. <laughs> so I put it on LinkedIn and I asked if this was acceptable or not. <laughs> Uh, the comments I got, it was amazing. But those were identical packages. But just because uh, due to the different lighting, uh, perception in the shop is different. So it's it's there are so many differences or so many variables, I should say, uh, that influence color uh, vision, color perception. You can't control it all. So if you want to uh, be within a very tight tolerance, it just make, doesn't make any sense. And some big companies uh, are really promoting that, technology providers, also consultants are promoting that because it's their, it's their bread and butter. But essentially, it's not necessary. And then we come to the, to the elephant in the room. Um, if a designer, uh, together with, with a brand owner, is picking a new brand color and they take a Pantone guide and they pick a color from the Pantone guide, say, this is the color I want. No, that's not a color because the Pantone guides are not identical to the LAB values, the spectral values that are linked to that color. This can be the one that you see can be different hmm. from the official uh, official description of the color. And that's what's, what's, what's also really wrong. And um, the guys from Pantone and X-Rite, they don't like me saying that, but they try to have their uh, brand color, uh, sorry, their uh, their guides, their physical guides. They aim to be within two delta E, but I have uh, I had uh, many people measure it, and the average delta E is much more than two delta E. You so mean then you have, I'm sorry. What, what, you're measuring between like two different Pantone books, or yes, yes, different people measuring uh, different Pantone books. Uh, now, I should also add, I have one peop one person who has 10 uh, copies in his, uh, in his shop, a prepare shop, and he measured seven of them and um, one color of blue. Um, none of it was within two delta E. And the uh, deviation between two of the copies, the most extreme ones, was almost one delta E, if I recall correctly. Hmm. So all 10 were bought at the same moment. And there was a variation of one delta E between the different copies. So uh, there is something wrong. Interesting. So I guess my question would be, because I've, I've, I mean, I can't count how many times I have, 
had to have a conversation with somebody about about color right mm -hmm. and it's um it, be, because i work in printed packaging and not like commercial mm -hmm. print and, and maybe it's the same with commercial print i'm not sure but you know i i'll see companies who will who will say okay i want pantone whatever 16 12 or i, I don't even know if that's a number i'm just making something up <laughs> um and i want this pantone color and they go okay okay great and then the printer takes that ink from you know that's specified for pantone and then they print it on clear film and then they laminate that clear film to foil and now that color looks nothing like what what yeah. the buyer thought it was going to look like right and then the printer goes well i did what you told me to do i took the pantone yeah. color now that would be a bit irresponsible of a printer and not not many people do that i have seen it happen and i understand their argument um as the printer but i'm i'm fascinated and I guess I'd be curious about um, maybe maybe is is the application that you're you're discussing less about standardizing and more about kind of like grace, you know, like open open up your what is what is your AQL for color? Because it seems like if if you if you were to take that you know that, that Coca Cola red for example. And you said, okay, Delta nine, let's say this is what Coke says. And people say, this is Delta nine. Mm -hmm. Then the next print, they use this Delta nine as a target. And now they're nine Delta out yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, where you could end up yeah. at, at an orange or a yellow or something. That would obviously be bad. So yeah, is that, is that maybe you're, you're, it's provocative, but I don't think that you're saying like just the wild, wild west, just whatever. Yeah, you no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Right. And I, I've been a proponent of standardization almost all my life. I've uh, promoted uh, ISO 12647 before it became popular, um, and I'm all. Uh, and we, we need to address this issue in two ways. One, we have to broaden the uh, uh, the delta E, the, the tolerances, because it doesn't make any sense. And also, if you look at uh, ESG, um, the environment, it doesn't make any sense to be this critical because we are wasting resources. Yes. But we also have to start with rock solid brand color definitions and that's why i started together with uh, a number of uh, specialists project bbcg better brand color guides and the website is uh, project bbcg.guide and our approach is very plain and simple measure the color that you picked and use that measurement either in lab values or in spectral values use that as your primary color definition and then all the time you will have the right color and okay you can have five delta e difference but you will always the reference will always be that unique color that you picked together with your customer and uh that's that's rock solid yeah plus make advantage um you don't need any extra licenses most people these days have a spectrophotometer, so they can measure a color um, in Photoshop, Illustrator, every application you can put in LAB values and have that color. So it's uh, it's not only rock solid, it's also achievable for everybody. We also promote to use um, as a brand owner to define your colors also as an uh, ASE file, uh, Adobe Swap. Make a list of all the brand colors in uh, Adobe Illustrator and that package of your own brand colors, export that as an ASE file. And every designer, everybody involved, uh, everybody using Adobe CC applications and also Affinity, they can import it and they have the right color specification. They don't need to look into uh, in, in, in different guides. 
Um, I have a sample on the, on the Project BBCG website that has my three, well, my two brand colors, no three brand colors, um, dark gray, light gray, and orange. And you can, can see it. You can see it in the naming. Uh, uh, it's for uh, insights for prints.co, so I4P, I'm, I call it I4P orange, I4P dark uh, gray, I4P uh, light gray. And you immediately have the right colors. You hmm. don't need to think about it. It's easy to uh, to to uh, to approach them. Uh, the only thing that takes a little bit more time is the first one uh, has to create that ASE file. Uh, but once you do that, and if if as a brand owner your brand color is important, you should do that and make that available. Give that to everybody. Don't be secret about it. Mm -hmm. And this this is the the, the funny thing about Coca Cola Red. Uh, it's 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 a secret. It's their second secret formulation, also on the website. But if you if you have a spectrophotometer, you can easily measure it. There is no right. secret about it. Right. <laughs> I totally. I was going to say that. Like, we have we have tools now. Somebody could figure yeah. out uh, exactly what it, what what uh, you know Coke Red or you know Ford Blue. It's another kind of yeah. iconic color. Um, yeah. That's that's. So, and I, I could not agree more. So it, it sounds like if I can maybe summarize what you're saying, and I, I had to do this once for a company, by the way, that had, I want to say it was 400 different colors. <laughs> and I, and we just created, we were like, let's send me the sample of the one that your art brand director says, like, this is the one your CEO, it doesn't matter. I just need to have that be your standard. We're going to measure the color at that standard. We're going to create a custom color for you. Um, and we would we would let them know an expected delta range um, around there that we think we can reasonably hit to because it was a lot it was a lot of labels. Um, and there's only so there's only so much you can control a flexo press or a litho like a, a litho a litho press. So um so what what would you say then kind of my final question and I want to make sure that I get all the you said insights for print.ceo I got a LinkedIn post from Kellogg's and projectbbcg.guide to make sure that all those show notes are uh, in or all those are in the show notes those links um but what's your recommendation then for a brand who says all right Eddie I I get it and I know we need to do this because our we need to we need to equip our printer to be able to drive costs down to increase our sustainability scorecard. And we can do that. I've told brands this all the time by expanding what is acceptable from a color standard, because it takes yeah. us less time and make ready to set up and get going. So is there, is there a general range, a general Delta range that you would say like, this is pretty safe. Obviously some colors might have to be a bit tighter and other colors can be a bit wider. Or do, is that also something that you talk about on your website? I don't specifically talk about it uh, on my website, but as I already said, I'm I'm really in favor of standards, and there are ISO standards on colors, also on spot colors. Just use those. Mm. Lots of clever people have thought about that. They eventually came to uh, a specific standards. Use those standards. Don't be a nerd that wants to be better than the standards because it's. Uh, if, if you want to do it better than the standards within tighter toleration, uh, tolerances, sorry, um, every piece has to be 
in place and has to be controlled within a very tight tolerance, uh, within very tight specifications. And that's that's difficult, and especially if you're going to packaging, try color on uh, brown cardboard. Yep. That will look very different. And 100%. I don't know, uh, I don't think they, they hand it out anymore, uh, but uh, Flint Ink used to have the Flint Ink color quiz. Did you ever see that? No. Well, this this was fun. Just um, uh, search on it uh, on, the, on the internet, you will see some samples. And they put the same ink on 15 or 20 different types of paper. Same amount of ink on 15 different types of paper. They look very different. I'm sure. And this, yeah. this, is, this is what many print buyers do not understand, the influence of the substrate. Yep, you've got the substrate, you've got the lighting. You've got yep. the density of the ink. Uh, you know, you've yes. got the mixing of the ink. Like yep. all of it goes. It's it's a very, and I think I think maybe it's it's also a reason why, you know, digital printing for uh, for various other reasons has become so prominent. Mm -hmm. Is there seems to be a bit of a tighter control, though it's still not perfect. Mm -hmm. You still get color variations across yep. different substrates for sure, and you can get color mm -hmm. variations within the digital press. It doesn't yep. matter how good they, there's still maintenance and you know things yeah. that has to go into it so yeah but they have a, a verified uh, um feedback loop and that's the advantage of uh, many digital presses um they measure in line and they can adjust on the fly yep agreed well yeah. eddie this has been a fantastic conversation um yeah. it how would people besides the websites that we mentioned um how would people if they wanted to follow up or ask questions or just engage with your provocative uh content <laughs> Uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, LinkedIn, probably. I'm very active at LinkedIn, uh, not only with uh, print-related stuff, but also other uh, stuff. Um, so that's that's the most easy way to follow me. I also publish my uh, my articles all, also uh, immediately on uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I do have a Twitter account, but I don't use that a lot. Yeah. LinkedIn is better for me. It's a mess over there on Twitter. I, I try to stay. Yeah, on. these days, absolutely. <laughs> Well, Eddie, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, everyone. Go uh, check out uh, insightsforprint.ceo, uh, projectbbcg.guide, and then also I'll have the I'll find the Flint Ink color quiz and a link to Eddie's LinkedIn, so you can just click on things and connect at your heart's desire. So, Eddie, thank you so much once again for coming on uh, on a, the start of your weekend. It means a lot. I appreciate it. Yes, I already have my wine available, so. Uh... Cheers. Fun, fun start of the weekend. I love it. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, that is a wrap for the People of Packaging podcast. Hey, if you want some more packaging content, you can go pick up the book my wife and I wrote, Packaging Peaks in the Sticky Situation, available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all sorts of places. And also, I want for you to go and follow my friends. Corey Connors. He hosts Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. It is incredible and it is wonderful. You can also go check out Avelio Matos's podcast, Packaging Unboxed. And you can check out the three of us every single Monday morning, 8.30 Mountain Time on LinkedIn, where we host the Packaging Today show. It is hilarious and packaging is only half the story. So go check it out.